0: This is Tracy Spears. Thank you for joining me for Real Life Leadership Podcast. I'm super excited today to introduce you to my guest, Patty Wilson. So Patty's the executive <clears throat> wow, already a little <laughs> a little gap. Sorry about that. Is the executive director for Hospice of Green Country and is the board member of the Oklahoma Hospice and Palliative Care Association. Wow, that's a big introduction. I
1: choked you up already.
0: I know. <laughs> You and Oklahoma Allergies. So how are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Thanks. I'm I'm good.
0: I'm glad that you're here. So Me too. It, we've tried to do this a couple of times I know. obviously. And I the last time you came in, we recorded this whole show and we couldn't hear on the on the feedback on the recording. So fingers crossed that this one's gonna be better, right? I'm
1: gonna Enunciate and not laugh.
0: (laughs) I think there's no way you and I can't laugh. So so let's talk a little bit about you. So you are the executive director for the Hospice of Green Country. And so tell us a little bit about your organization and what you do.
1: Well, Hospice of Green Country is now in our 31st, uh, I think, maybe 32nd year. Sorry, I should say 32nd year as a um, hospice, a freestanding hospice, uh, nonprofit hospice. For um, the Tulsa community. We are the only hospice that is United Way sponsored, and we're just thrilled it it gives us an opportunity to really create unique programs for end of life care.
0: So, why would you be the only one United Way sponsored? That seems like a
1: big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah, how does that happen? Well, I think they have a very rigid standard at um, the United Way, and I think that it takes a lot to be asked. To be United Way organization, I think people don't realize that, and then also to maintain those standards. So. Ah,
0: well, congratulations then, nice.
1: <laughs> so I think there's a
0: lot of people that think of hospice as this. Um, I mean, you know, it, it, it's a sad time uh, at times, obviously, but um, I've been so impressed with just what you all do in your organization. Um, Towards the end of life for people. So, I don't know how to, I don't know, I know there's a question buried in there, but um, what do you think is the big, maybe, misconception about what you do as an organization?
1: Well, I think the biggest misconception that we run up against is that hospice is for those last few days or those last, you know, week or, and I think what people, when they come to us, realize is that I wish we called you sooner. Mm-hmm. I wish we, you know, we had, they realize how much more we could do for them and how much we do for families. And it's really, you know, I think hospice became synonymous with just right at the end when it's really just a part of continuum of care for healthcare, but also um, for end of life you know, end of life starts earlier than just the last days. And we really want to make sure that people are educated and prepared. And I think there's so much going on right now with hospice, palliative care, end of life education, so that people can really have that peace of mind before things happen. Because when things happen, you don't have time to prepare
0: yeah i I shared with you. it's been about a year ago now that I just randomly um, a, a very dear friend of ours passed away, and um, that her husband was telling us about how amazing the 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 nurse was th- that was there, and just what a different experience that was because of her presence in the room. and I you know. Went on to find out it was your organization. I'm so happy! To hear so that. shout out, tell, remind me who it was. I, if oh, you remember, I believe it was Liz. Okay, I think and so. And she
1: is amazing. She's still with us. She's been with us for gosh, I'm going to say eight years, nine years now. Uh, she's a, is an incredible nurse, and all the nurses are incredible. The aides, the social workers, the chaplains. It, it's such a wraparound around the family. Um, that that's what it's about to be able to have peace in your home. Um, and or wherever you're choosing to live and to have that at the end is is amazing it's it's not just about the patient it's about the family it's about everyone involved to really have that experience that you can feel was really dignified for the person. Yeah, he said it
0: was it was a beautiful transition. And I thought, what a nice thing to say and to be talking right after it happens about the nurse. I don't know. I just thought it was, uh, I love it that. was a nice I kind of. I love hearing
1: that. I never get tired of hearing I that. I know.
0: <laughs> well, that's a question, though. I mean, how do you – so Liz has been there, you said, around eight or nine years – how do you keep people from getting compassion fatigue in that position? Is, is that a real thing? I think is it's that... every day. I okay. think it's
1: all the time. And I think part of it is understanding and talking all the time about and having an awareness that that is real. And, you know, I think people are in compassion fatigue and they don't realize they're having mm-hmm. compassion fatigue. That's the that's the insidious part of it, really. Um, and and so we try to talk about things all the time. Uh trauma that they're suffering that people have learned over time because they think that's part of being a really good, um, good in their profession to stamp it down. Mm. And the reality is that if you're not looking at that all the time, if all of us are not looking at that all the time, we over time, it whittles away in our ability to be uh, effective.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. So what kind of training, I mean, what does that look like? So when you say mm-hmm. we're aware of it, is it just that you're having conversations? Do you, do? You, uh, what, what, what would that?
1: Well, I think we have conversations, but also we have trainings, and then we have uh, quarterly um, bereavement groups, and, okay. and times when the staff can go and work with someone um, as a group and, and really uh, grieve the people that they've lost because they have relationships mm-hmm. with our patients, and they grieve the loss. And, and I think people think, okay, well, that person's gone and, and okay, we're moving on, that's not the way it works. Right. They, you know, you're in someone's home, you're in their life, you're with their family. The families call us um, you know, for, for a long time, and then we have a relationship with the family um, professionally. You know, we, we build it in to have 13 months with the family, but then they can call us whenever they want. We have years later, we have families calling us and telling us how they're doing. And we just, oh, it's, wow. it's really, it, because it's a relationship, we are all in this community together. And this is about maintaining that.
0: Well, you said we're in this community together. <clears throat> one of the things. Um, so I'm born and raised in Tulsa, and everyone always said, "Why do you still live there?" Like, well, uh, if you Tulsa's lived cool. here, you would know why I yeah. still live here. It, but one of it, it's so intimate. Mm-hmm. Like we, when you start talking about the community, there's a lot of other um, hospice organizations here as well. But there are your your organization seems to come to the top a lot. Why is that?
1: Oh, that's thank you for saying that. Uh, of I, well. I think it's because we are part of the community. We don't see ourselves as just a business that does hospice. We see ourselves as a part of the, the, the tapestry of the Tulsa community, really, uh, that, that we have all these wonderful services here and we have all these uh, this great um, things that connect us. And this is one of them. You know, there's all sorts of wonderful services here, and they all connect us, and I think that's great.
0: Well, you've done a nice job with your board, so I've, I've gotten to do a strategic planning for your team. So We
1: love that, and yeah. be next year, too. Yeah, okay, good.
0: <laughs> but I mean, as I look around the room and I think about all of the people that are involved, uh, what what a nice job you've done oh, organizing that team. How long have you been the executive director?
1: February next February will be seven years for me. Oh, okay, and mm-hmm. what did you do before? I was at Life Senior Services before, and I managed a good part of the services there um, as the director of resources. Oh goodness, it was a really long title. <laughs> it kind of went off of the name badge. It was funny. <laughs> nice. So you've been? Have you been a nonprofit since in your uh, adult career? Thirty years. Career? Mm-hmm. I started out as a case manager working in people's homes while I was getting my master's degree and all sorts of other. You know, odd jobs that you do while you're getting your master's degree, but I did that <laughs> professionally. I did that.
0: Okay. So, we, so the nonprofit um, world for you. So, what's what would be, um, you know, when you think about what's next? Do you stay in nonprofit? do Do you stay where you are? I mean, how does that? So, you've gone to a couple of different organizations. What's next for you at Hospice of Green Country? Are you working on? you know, like five years out or 10 years out, what would be like the dream that's happening there?
1: Oh, okay. Well, I think that, you know, I think they are always working five and 10 years out. I think if that's part of leadership, you know, if you're not looking ahead, you're you're falling behind, right? As they say, I didn't make that up. I just agreed it. <laughs> agreed. Um, but I think that that's very important to constantly be looking ahead. I think that's the my job. a good part of my job is to see what's coming mm-hmm. um beyond the the trend and uh, and also looking at what Tulsa needs. you know, so so you're doing needs assessments. you're you're doing stakeholder surveys. you're all sorts of things all the time to make sure that we are, Not just on the cutting edge of our business, but also looking at what Tulsa needs, you know, because we're in a community that has very particular needs. And so we're not just looking at hospice. So, you know, when you see a 7% increase in homelessness and the ages are from 51 to 64 is the highest age range, you say, Wow, what's going on, and yeah. and are are we part of that? Is there something we are you know missing? Is there something we can do? So I think that that's part of being in this with everyone else. Interesting.
0: So the, the end of life is kind of a, a controversial. Like there are people mm-hmm. that <clears throat> you know want to do their own end of life care, if you will. Sure. Okay. And so, um, do you see that that's getting to be more? um more than norm or do you think I don't know how to ask this in the right way do you know what do you know where i'm headed
1: i, I do i think that people well i think we respect whatever people have decided okay. on and you know it's even the, in the media these days you'll see well this person's decided they're not doing hospice because they don't want to give up on their person mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I thought well you know if if they were really educated about hospice they would realize that hospice is not giving up on, on hospice the is
0: pain management is that fair right. to say it's,
1: it's pain and symptom management and then all of the other things that go along with helping people make you know help them make their own decisions that who who thinks about this, Tracy? No one thinks about, okay, I, I'm going to die one day. Right, we all know it's going to happen, right. unless somebody's come up with something I haven't figured out yet, which is really awesome for them, but I don't let's get them know. on the podcast. Right. right. <laughs> I shouldn't even be sitting here to be them. Uh, but I think that, you know, no one wants to think about it. And yeah. yet we have to think about it. And and what I try to tell people is this isn't a, you know, completely about you, it's the gift that you leave mm. the people that you love to be prepared and help them know the decisions you would have wanted sure so that you don't you have that peace of mind
0: so how so what is the time frame and i'm sure this is hard to answer but at what point do you get called like when on the journey if somebody so i I think you're right i think a lot of people are like oh no i would never call them i don't want to give up and then there's that day Mm -hmm. that comes where somebody says okay i need to get them involved do you think that call comes usually too late to you but not I mean, not too late in that you know you can't it's still never tell right 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 but do you what, what would be the ideal time frame ha- if there is one? I
1: think it really depends on the person's um, the disease that they're they're experiencing their okay. trajectory. sometimes it's a combination of things and and symptoms and diseases that they're experiencing. So I think that really depends and, and that's why we work really close with with the doctors to really help facilitate when the right time is. Um, statistically, yes, people do come to hospice too late. Statistically, okay. it's absolutely too late. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, less than a week right now. That, and, wow. And I think that that's just sad that, that, you know, we could be working with families to make sure. But I, you know. What, what would be the ideal? So if you said it would oh it be
0: three weeks out, would it be I, You know, I, I don't
1: weeks? know. I, I, I think it really depends on what's going on for that person. I think a lot of it is... Um, that we and what we hear is well. There's one more treatment. There's one mm. more thing. And I'm not about telling people don't you know stop whatever you're doing. Right. Do what you need to do. Um, be you know emotionally ready um, to give up that that part. Those things um, because you can do a lot of things while you're on hospice. People sure. think oh, I can't do anything. And it's like well no. There's a lot of things you can do when you're on hospice. It's just that if that the disease is that particular disease that is terminal mm-hmm. for you. Um, and it could be a disease that has a much longer um, trajectory than other diseases. If that disease is something you are not actively treating, and that doesn't mean that that's symptom and pain management treatment, because there's a lot of them that that, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're doing a treatment that would reverse, technically, that particular disease, ideally, Mm -hmm. then that's probably not the time for hospice. Gotcha. You know, I, I, you know, I think, but if it's not, and you're I'm done doing all these kind of levels, and that's a discussion with your doctor. I think people don't. I think people think, well, my doctor's going to tell me uh, that you know that really doesn't happen. <laughs> um, their doctors are wonderful individuals. They they go into medicine for the right reasons, but their their teaching is about extending, mm-hmm. not ending treatment, yeah. and and um, that's an you interesting
0: know. way to say it, and and very true, right?
1: Right. They want to be. Thank goodness. Right. Yes. I mean, that's that's their job. Yeah. And so, you know, for a lot of uh, physicians, it's like, well, there is one more thing. But what people hear is, oh, this is the thing that's going to make the, this cancer go away, and and that's really not what's going to happen. Have you ever had somebody go into hospice? And come out of hospice? Oh yes, we've had people graduate from hospice, and you know it's a it's a wonderful thing, and we celebrate that. We actually give people T-shirts <laughs> that say, nice. you know, I graduated hospice. Yeah, um, so it's so it's great how for them. How Sometimes people um, have come to us because they haven't had great health care, because they've been in um, serious life. Conditions, human issues that that happen in their lives, and they haven't had good care. Not because they, it hasn't been out there, but because they haven't cared enough about themselves um, to to get it sometimes, or um, they are they're doing things that may not be so great for them. So they they are physically terminal, um, and they'll come to hospice, and they'll have people in their homes, and they'll have this kind of all the time. Uh, ability to um, have social workers and chaplains and nurses and doctors and people who are talking about, you know, what's going on for them, and they get better. Mm. And w- as they see themselves getting better, and not just physically better, but emotionally sure. better, because that's really, you know, it, the, the the person who's graduating a lot of times is the person who, you know, is, is feeling emotionally better. Um, like they mattered. Like they matter. Yeah. And, that's what it took. And uh, we love that, you know. And, and so, um, That's a- you know, now we're doing more discharging, just discharge planning and, and how to help them continue on this trajectory of good health. Wow, um, and it's uh, it's a great thing. We we love I it. Didn't too. expect that. I thought you would say no. No, yeah. Oh, <laughs> the fact sorry. That people are getting a T-shirt. That's uh, yeah, no, it's a T-shirt. Awesome. I know you get yeah. Yeah, and then some people, um, their trajectory just takes a very long period of time, and um, they may have to go off hospice for a while, and then they can come back on because the disease process inevitably will take over. Okay, but um, you know, yeah. There's there's all sorts of opportunities and possibilities, and people. Coming on hospice doesn't mean it's the end. If we're telling you it's not, not the end, it means it's not the end, and yay for you. you mm-hmm. know, right. Right. Here's some other things, and here's now some services you need to keep going.
0: Well, I've unfortunately been through a few of these situations right, personally, and I do think the common theme that comes out of them as it relates to the hospice piece is that that ends up being a bright spot, right? That ends up being... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that people I do think say I should have engaged sooner. So if anybody's listening right now and they're going through something like that, how could they get more information about your services, but in general, to learn more about hospice and palliative care?
1: All you have to do is call us 918-747-2273. If you don't come on hospice, it's great. We, are, we love to talk to people and just help them make a plan and really even talk to them about where they are in the process of their health care and any questions they might have. We we are absolutely thrilled to do that. Never feel like we're going to make you come on or you better sign this paper or anything like that. That's that's not how we do anything.
0: <laughs> just the thought of that gave, gave me the creeps. Yeah, no, it's, it's creepy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, I just want to say, thank, it's, listen, so I've, I've watched you with your team. Many times now, and seeing what a what a delightful group of people you've been able to assemble and put together. They're awesome. They are awesome. So, big shout out to everybody on your team. Is there anything in leaving? Let's let's say the last thing. Is there anything that you would say has been um, something that you're concerned about? Thinking about the future. So you said mm-hmm. you're thinking five, ten years out. What's what is on the horizon? What do you see that would would change or or could change the direction of your your business? I,
1: I think there's there's several things. I think palliative care definitely is becoming a much more talked about and um, really looked at uh, area of healthcare. It does help people extend their lives. It helps people have happier lives. And whether you're on hospice or not on hospice, palliative care is a part of hospice, but it's also before hospice and even when people aren't on the trajectory for hospice. So I think that's definitely on the horizon, and I think people should really, um, if you're in the hospital, if you have a chronic illness and Mm. you haven't had a palliative care consult, you probably should ask for one. You may not have a a doctor who says, I'm going to give you a palliative care consult, but ask for one because it's very important. It could really change the way that um, you feel. Um, Also, I think that uh, caregiving, and, and areas in, in caregiving are changing. Uh, we are people who work longer
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, with uh, people who are in our homes, our loved ones who are also who are struggling with end of life. How does that work? It's very, um, we have 33% of caregivers who die before the person they're caring for. That's pretty significant. Mm. And why are we not looking at that more about how we can um, create an influx of services to really help caregivers, not just with, okay, well, here, we're going to support you, but really help them figure out how to, how to manage this and, and keep their loved one at home, which is where most people want to be when they die.
0: Wow. Wow. I hadn't even thought about that. So, yeah, those you think deals. the services extend to that to the family? That's that's we're working on eventually? that, and
1: and we've been we've started a program where we're um, actually doing a caregiving cost share, and uh, United Way helps us do that, which has been incredibly successful. It's tripled in the last year since wow. we've uh, initiated it. So, we're we're thrilled to do that, and I think that that is something where we say, well, if there's a trend, this this is the trend because it, you most people can't afford caregivers in their home right. the way they need them so that they can work um, so really looking at think this in a different way I think is important and we do a lot of education we're having B.J. Miller come in who's, oh, good. Uh, yeah he's awesome he's coming in uh, October 22nd and he's got a new book out uh, A Beginner's Guide to the End which I think is totally like how he would title a book <laughs> <laughs> the script. He's yeah he's he's amazing and uh, we can't wait to have him in it's a free to the public event at the Philbrook which is great um a lot of people don't realize he has a fine arts background as long as a as well as a md interesting and uh that he's it, he likes to marry the two ideas together that that science and art and he sees palliative care is really in that in that realm and he, so he has an interesting take on it interesting i didn't so the palliative care piece
0: it being separate from the hospice the mm-hmm. way you just described mm-hmm. that that's a that's probably a new concept for some right
1: I, I I it isn't a new concept medically but yes some people think oh they're all together but they're not you know I think that um, we have some wonderful amazing palliative care physicians in uh, Tulsa and um, that they have a really wonderful and and great way of looking at health care and I think people should talk to them more yeah yeah sounds like it well, thank you so much
0: for your time today. I really appreciate thank you coming you, in Tracy, and letting it's us. Always
1: good to see you.
0: Learn a little bit more about you. So, if you're listening in, I just uh, again, I'm with Patty Wilson today from uh, the Executive Director of Hospice of Green Country. Appreciate you joining us and listening in. And if you'd like to hear more uh, podcast, head over to TracySpears.com and I'll do it again soon. Thanks so much.